internet and Facebook that uh, we, we have the privilege of uh, reaching out and uh, we're taking those avenues and we thank God for the family that's outside of here that cannot be here. We thank you for being here. Aren't you glad that they're part of us, church? Amen. Praise God. And as we open the doors and doors open for us uh, and we step into those areas where God opens, I believe we're going to reach more and more as time goes on. So we thank God for that. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter Two, I told my brother chapter one, but it's chapter two. Chapter two. But we're not, don't stand yet. Just want to do a little bit of introductions. Aren't you glad for this time and season? I know some of those in retail think, I am so tired of people coming in and being like they are. They're rushed. And and the last few days, I went to Walmart and, um, just stepped in just for a moment, couldn't find a parking place, drove around and drove around, just patiently waiting. And I said, all right, Lord, open the door for me to park. And all of a sudden, this guy come out quickly. I says, thank you, Lord, for opening the door. And it was right almost in the front. <laughs> and I said, thank you, Lord, for opening the door for me. So there are times God does that. But as we enter this Christmas season, and we have entered into this, uh, it's a familiar time of worship and celebration One, with our loved ones. We are loved ones of the Lord. We're family. We're brothers and sisters. And God's allowed us to be able to do that. Christmas doesn't fall on Sundays. Very few years between. And so this is the greatest time, but everybody seemed to think, well, I'm just going to take my time, stay home, forget it. This is the greatest time together to worship, to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Aren't you glad for Jesus Christ? Yes, amen. I believe, though, God has something because when we recognize what is taking place in the birth of Jesus, something special for each and every one of us. As we're going to review the story of Jesus' birth, just briefly in some areas, with, I pray, fresh ears. Sometimes you hear these stories, okay, I've heard that before. But if you open up, God wants to speak freshness to you. God wants to speak something that, Maybe if you'll just open your eyes a little bit, God has something great for you that you've never realized, you've never seen me. There's been many a times I've opened the word of God and says, God, I've read that time and time again. And all of a sudden something jumps off the pages and you're going, I've never seen that before because it wasn't the right time. I believe this season God wants to give us something that we can lean upon, clean, glean to, that we can understand that God sent his son, that we may have a right to enter in to where he's at, to his kingdom, his government. Aren't you glad for that? Yes, amen. See, I truly believe that as we open our eyes, open our ears, and see with freshness, God has something not only for every single one of us, but I believe that as we look at the systems, have they done some things, they operate, well, this is, in the last few years, everybody seemed to think just happy holidays. So I've been seeing, speaking to them, happy holy day, but more than just a holy day, Merry Christmas. This is the time and season that we look to who Christ is. The retail business would not have what they have if it wasn't for Christ. You and I wouldn't have what we have if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Thank God for who he is. Now, I truly believe that not only as we look at this circumstances and systems, we must look to something that we we cannot define. 
God wants to do something through every single one of us. God brought his son to set up his throne, his kingdom, because Jesus said that he told Pilate, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. And as he did that, Jesus was born in such a way that he says, I'm not setting up like the world systems. I didn't come as a king like the world thinks, but I am a king beyond this. And sometimes the enemy wants to dethrone Christ off of our hearts. As a believer, as a Christian, we have accepted Christ. We believe we've taken him in in our lives and the enemy wants to dethrone him. But how many knows that the king is still ruling upon the throne room of heaven? And in that life, in that statement, he still rules in my life. How about yours? I hope he does. But let's go reading from the word of God. Luke chapter 2. Stand for the reading of God's word. As we take the familiar story here, but announcement was made. And I truly believe that it was glory in the highest. I truly believe that the angels were rejoicing. Because now mankind can come in to a relationship with God. Now mankind can find hope where they didn't have it before. Now rejoicing was going to heaven. Can you imagine what the father was looking around and says, this was what I planned all along. This is what I want to give to my children all along. A message of hope. A message of a new birth, a message of birthing something new into their lives, into humanity. Praise God. Now the announcement came and we see it came to a lowly occupation, an occupation of shepherds. At that point in time, shepherds were not looked at very highly. It was an occupation. It was a a job, a mission that was not looked up very highly, but it was very needed. They were the lowest of lows. But let's read in verse 8. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord, say the glory of the Lord, shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring good bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Touch your neighbor, says, thank God for good news. And you may be seated. Let me start off with this as we see from scripture here. Jesus was born to Mary, the mother of Jesus, the babe, Jesus. She was a mother naturally, but not spiritually. God was the spiritual father. He was the one that had spoke to him and spoke into existence his birth. But we see that the announcement came that he is born. It came to his shepherds. This was not just a job. It was a calling. 
We see that the calling that came from their lives to shepherd the sheep that was to feed and to clothe and to do many things for the countryside. But we also see that these shepherds were not alone in the calling because God always comes to those areas that he placed Moses was a shepherd, and in the backside of the desert, when he was going, he seen and heard something he never seen or heard before, a fiery bush. And all of a sudden, he got closer to it because it didn't burn out. And all of a sudden, the glory of God was there because the Bible says that God is a consuming fire. And when he entered in, he seen the glory of God, and God spoke to him. A calling came from that bush. Now we see also another one we know very familiar with, David, was a shepherd boy that was called out from God himself as he watched the sheep. You know what? Sometimes God doesn't look to those that are in prominent positions or in areas that are shown is, but God looks for those that are willing to, to do those things that not others will. But it's a calling. And these shepherds were part of that calling. It was not just a, a, an occupation that was done, but it was a lowly work area where that a lot of people says, I don't want to take care of those sheep. It's a lonely job. And sometimes when you're out there in the loneliness, God says, I'm with you. But we also see from this story that while they were doing their job, while they were uh, doing what they called their calling, we seen an angel appear to them. I truly believe, because the Bible really doesn't come out and say that it was Gabriel, the same one that came to Mary, the same one that had spoke to Joseph, the same one that brought message from uh, heaven to Daniel and some others in there. He was part of that uh, angelic band, but he was a messenger from God. And God had given him a message. And God brought to him, said, the glory of the Lord shone around him, the Bible says. The glory, I believe that in the middle of the night that it was like God turned the daylight on and the sun was bright because the glory of God shines in the way that we can't describe. In other words, the night was turned into day. Brightness, the glory of God. Likely the angel appeared in the air. Doesn't really say, it said disappeared. But I truly believe it caught their attention. It reminds me when the Apostle Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. A brightness showed before him. And all of a sudden he heard a voice he had never heard before. And all of a sudden that brightness got his attention, but it brought fear. See, when God appears to you and a brightness like that, you know, you know that I've had an angel, two of them, as a matter of fact, appear to me. The first time I was in bewilderment, I was driving down 15 here. I was coming into town from Leesburg and there was an angel that had been on the wrong roadside thumbing it. He was a hitchhiker. Didn't think those, tell you not to pick up hitchhikers, but there's something different about him. So I get down to mile from Leesburg, getting mile down the road and there he was again. And I'm going, wait a minute, I just passed this guy. How did he get up here? Still didn't stop. Get down a mile down the road, getting closer to Warsaw. There he was again. <laughs> and I says, what is going on? And the Holy Spirit says, pick him up. I go, what? <laughs> pick him up. <laughs> so I turned around, come back. 
He was at the same spot where I see him the third time. I pull over. About the time I opened the door, he was in the car. And I'm going, how do you do that? Shuts the door. We're driving around. Didn't hardly say a word. Kind of looked at me and nodded. Then he spoke. He says, I got a message for you. And he called me the messenger. He says, you messenger. Still never forget that. He says, the message I have for you, he's soon to come. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. That's all he could say to me. He's coming. Before I could get to Warsaw, he wasn't there. I stopped with tears in my eyes. I said, God, why did you give this to me? Why to me? God was placing a call on me. I'm just, a, I'm just a worker boy. I come from the country. I don't have all this. And God is not looking for those that have the, all the knowledge that's been given some privileges. God is saying, if you will just listen, if you will hear, I will come to you and reveal. The angel came to the shepherds. A lowly estate of business, but yet the Bible says that he is the high shepherd. Jesus, God himself, is the shepherd of the flock. We are portrayed as the flock of God. Knows what happened with Paul. He fell on his knees, was blinded for a season, had to be led by men, but went to the city and God restored back his sight. There's so many people who are blinded by so many things and so many issues, they forget that God wants to give back sight, spiritually speaking, this time and year is not about receiving gifts other than from Christ himself, from what he is the gift from God that sent his only begotten son. That is the gift that God wants to bring to every single one. It is declared that born in this place called Bethlehem, born in a place of obscurity, but it's the city of David, the city of a shepherd boy, a place where that God says, I'm going to be the shepherd. That reminds me of what Paul then did when he received Christ. He yielded fully. There's so many people that just look at the glimmer and lights and celebration, but they forget that there is only one light, and that was God himself. Notice what took place, the Bible says in Luke. Fear. Fear gripped them. Well, I guess I would be fearful too. All of a sudden you're out there, and all of a sudden something bright comes, and you see somebody in that brightness. And they start talking to you and declaring to you some things just like I did because I pulled off the side because the presence of the Lord was strong in my car and tears come to my eyes. I never forget that. Never forget that. I said, God, I cannot do this myself. And only the messenger, which is the Holy Spirit, can bring the message, can pour it out. You know what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is? One of them is, is to glorify God. Everybody seems to think it's all the giftings and, and I have a spiritual life. You know what? My ministry is to glorify God. My life is to glorify God. My thoughts is to glorify God. That's what it should be. But fear gripped the shepherds. We live in a world right now full of fear. What will ISIS do? What will this do? What will the economy do? What will Trump do? <laughs> what will happen? Uh, will he push the button and now we're no longer, and we may be annihilated? Everybody's fearful of everything. 
Will you take away my rights? Will you do this? Well, things happen. Some are fearful of just today getting out of the bed and see what's going to take place today. But you know what? As a Christian, we do not need to fear. We have reverence, but we don't need to fear. Some have fear of health. They save up. They try their best to keep the health. But can I tell you that one day you're going to die? We're all going to die. We have an appointed time, the Bible says. And at that time, I don't care what you do. I don't care what the doctors try to do. They will not keep you. And you will go. If you don't accept Christ, you will make heaven your home. Jesus came that you can make heaven your home. Some have fear of not having enough money or losing it, what they do have. Some have a fear that stocks are going up, they're going down. I've lost this, lost that. But see, let me tell you this. When you have God, you have everything. Some have fear of the evil that's going around us. What am I going to do if I go to Walmart and somebody gets out? Maybe a big truck will come running through that Walmart. I could die. Yes, I could die today. They, they made the news be very vigilant because ISIS wants to come into some religious areas, soft targets as they call them, and they want to take out who they can. You know, what a better way to die? <laughs> what a better way to give your life than to say, I'm standing up for Christ? But there's so many people are so fearful. If you know Jesus, you know where you're going. If you've accepted him and let him come into your life, you know what's going to happen with you. Fear should not rule you. I could go on and on, but fear is the opposite of faith. We stand on believing who Christ is, what he did on the cross, but what he did at the grave. He rose that I can rise again. It's not just about the birth, but it's about the death and resurrection. He overcame the law. He overcame death, hell, and the grave, and he lives forevermore. He was birthed here for just a season, but he lives forevermore. That's where we celebrate. On this birth that we say, Jesus, we celebrate your birth. He's no longer a baby. He's no longer that, in that, that little manger, but he is sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. Notice what the angel said, fear not. Can I give you a message today? Fear not. Let me lay it with you in your spirit. Fear not. We serve an almighty God that rules and reigns. He has the best interests of you at his heart. You're the apple of his eye. Why did he send Jesus? Because he thought of you and you and you. Every single one of us. Thank God for that. Notice what they said, the message from heaven, because they only repeated what was told them. And the message came from the Father himself. Good tidings. That's the gospel in itself. Good tidings. Notice what they said, a message of hope. A message of love. But it was to all. They didn't say just to Jews. They says to all the earth, all the earth. Jesus didn't come just for a certain group or certain because they look like this or they act like this or they come from this. Jesus come for every single one that's on this earth. 
Aren't you glad for that? Something that I noticed that in the good tidings, not only of hope, love, and the messages to all, but they said, good tidings of great joy. Great joy. Not just joy, but great joy. See, joy is not being happy. There's so many people trying to make themselves happy. <laughs> Let me just have a little bit of time because happiness is a state of mind. Let me watch a little movie to make me a little bit happy for a season. I'll go to hear a comedian just for that night to make myself just feel a little bit of good. It's a state of mind. Happiness is just that part of feeling just a little bit of good. Uh, maybe not only that, I'll go to a concert and I'll just kind of get away from everything and just feel a little happy. Then pretty soon you leave that. What happens to your happiness? You're happy for a season, then it's gone. Same with people that drinks and do drugs and, and tries to fill everything with sports maybe or whatever it may be. It's just trying to get yourself in a state of mind of being happy. Happiness is fickle. It's up one day and down the next. You never have a happy medium. You try to find that place, but notice the message, great joy. See, joy is not being happy. Joy is constant. This is something that was established by God himself. This is a message. Joy will be with you always because of this message that he has. See, joy in the Greek means kara, which means to be cheerful. Have you ever been around somebody that's always cheerful? Everybody kind of puts it, they're happy, but no, they're cheerful. They have a calm way about themselves. You walk up to them and says, man, you just extrude with cheerfulness. You just extrude with a little bit of joy. Have you run into those Christians that say, well, I've got the Lord, but they never hardly smile. They never hardly speak to you. You walk in and you look at them and they're going, how are you today? Okay. Okay, I don't want that joy. <laughs> I don't want what you got because <laughs> it's not working. It's not showing on your face. See, what happens is joy also not only cheerful and calm delight, God wants you to understand you need to calm down. <laughs> so many people have so much anxiousness about themselves. They're so anxious about this, anxious about that, that they have sometimes almost panic attacks. And Jesus come to give us joy. Joy is a, a fruit from the Spirit. He gave us joy. You want to talk about drinking new wine. You want to talk about feeling good. Drink from the heavenly areas that he has for you. The heavenly wine that we can get. But also is gladness, which is an expression. When somebody looks at you and say, well, man, what have you been drinking? Ah, if only you understood. It's an expression of being. But when somebody's always on the defense, always angry, what's the angle of these people? Jesus didn't come to try to set and look for angles from people. He says, I come to give you. And that's what a Christian needs to operate on. Good tidings of great joy has now come to the whole earth. Amen. It's going to be a calm state. It's not going to be of the natural. It's going to be of the spiritual, the heart. That's where the, the matter comes from. It's from the heart. There's so many people, they look at the outward, but sometimes you can see that the people are speaking from their heart concerned about this. Some of you are so... Uh, 
you have so many things going through your mind right now and your hearts are being disrupted because maybe your kids, maybe finances, a job or this or that. Jesus said, I come to give you some calmness, come to give you some peace, come to give you some joy. Even in the times that you're going through, it'll be all right. In other words, what he's saying. And then, then you can express that. You can look at somebody and says, look what the Lord has done. Yes. Praise the Lord. He's given us some good things. Yes. You know what great joy means? Exuberant. <clears throat> Today, we should be exuberant. What is exuberance? Annie, how do you portray exuberance? Let me give you something that you can understand. How many's ever seen a ball game and when their team is winning, how do they act? Go Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> Go Cubs. Okay. They party, exuberance. They do some things. It's an expression. It's an action. In other words, let your face, yet your expressions show what is happening to you, what Jesus has done for you. Good tidings of great joy to all those exuberance. The angels, all of a sudden, the one angel wasn't by himself. And what happened? Glory to God, they were shouting. Glory to God. We should be the same. If the angels can do it, we receive Christ. We should be exuberant. He gave us something, life everlasting. But see, this is not just ordinary joy. This is the joy of the Lord. This is the joy of the Lord. It came from heaven. God says, I'm going to give you joy. Joy is the ground God gives us to stand on, that we can, and everything else is falling apart. When things are fearful, we can say, God, I thank you. I'm okay. God, I thank you, for I know that everything's going to work out for my good. God, I thank you, for you're for me and not against me. God, I thank you that you've given me all good things. How do I have this joy? I'm glad you asked. How can I have this? The Bible says it comes from faith and from hope. Those two areas. When God gives you a measure of faith and you're believing, you know that you know that you know. I don't care what anything else looks like. When you know what is faith, what the faith says, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But there's so many people, they handle the word, but they don't believe the word. They can read you to this. They can quote it, but they don't believe it. But I'm telling you, as a believer, I believe this. This is my faith. This is what I hold on to. This is my hope. Everything else is going to pass away, but his word will never pass away. But the Bible says that now faith, now faith brings what? Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Hope for. It ain't happened yet, but I believe God's going to bring it to pass. He ain't returned yet, but I believe he's coming back. He ain't answered my prayer yet, but he will. Yes. That's where that joy can come in. You can look at the individual that says, well, he has not done anything for me. I beg pardon. Look what he's done. He woke us up this morning. Yes. He allowed us to get on our way and come here. Mm -hmm. And we heard some great glorious songs that's been around for years. They're new every, every year. They come around. Joy to the world. But notice what he said to all the people, the 
messenger said to all the people. The good news message, the gospel, is to every single one. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus didn't come just for one grouping of people, one nationality. He came for the whole world. That's good news, church. But it's good news what? Of redemption. He was born to redeem back what was lost. Sin had came into the world because of bloodline, because of covenant, and because of the bloodline of Adam. It was passed down, sin, and it had to be eradicated. Jesus came in the law, came under the law, came through the law. Why? The law had restrictions. And Jesus says, I will meet the criteria of the law. The wages of sin is, and what did Jesus do? He took the death penalty that I don't have to. That's what he was born for. But he was born in a place, his birthplace was Bethlehem, a place called the city of David. Now, why was God allowing him to be born there? First of all, we must understand that God had promised King David that your kingdom is going to be forever. It'll come through your seed. Now, I like what Jesus told Pilate. He says, if my kingdom was of this world, you wouldn't be standing here. In other words, what he was saying, you'd be annihilated. But my kingdom is not of this world. And we as a body, we as a church, we as a believer, we as a Christian, we operate differently. And why do we do that? Because we made him king of our lives. There's a lot of people that have not let God be king. I'll give you this much, God, but I'm not giving you everything. A king is the ruler. And when he rules your life and he comes on your heart, he puts himself on the throne or you can take him off. And what does the enemy want to do? What does Satan want to do? Take Christ off the throne of your heart. The reason why you have battles, the reason why you go through things, the reason why you hear voices, because the enemy wants to try to distract you, distract you and get you away from what God has said, why he came. But the city of David means house of bread. House of bread. You know what bread brings? Life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. If you partake of what I have, if you partake of who I am, I'll bring new life. Aren't you glad for the new life? Yes. Jesus, we're called new creation, new creatures. We have new life, new beginnings. From the time I give my life to God, I have something new now. I have something that starts from that point on, and every day becomes a new day. Praise God. Now, he was born, and the angels declared it. Born unto you as a Savior. Aren't you glad for that word, Savior? Because it brings up some things. Savior means to make one safe. Aren't you glad for safety? <laughs> when everything else falls around you, when you are faced with issues and areas of life, you go to work, you come home, and you face difficulties. You face difficulties with relationships. You face difficulties with uh, family, and, and not only family, but you face difficulties with dealing with just people, maybe finances, maybe your health. You can come to a safe place. I run to the tower. I run to the name of 
my God. I run to Jesus, which is my high tower, a safety place. Thank God for that. But also means a deliverer to make one free. Sin has a bondage effect. You can do everything you want to to try to get away from sin, but it always creeps up on you. You need someone that can help you get out of that mess. The angels are declaring, unto this world, a Savior is born, a deliverer, one that can set you free, a redeemer. Why so many people trying to get rid of sinful actions? Because they're trying it on their own power, and you have not enough power to do it. You can't do it within yourself. That's the reason why Jesus was the deliverer. He makes you safe. You know what else he does? He can preserve you until the day that he calls you home. This life is not a, a drudgery. This life should have some joy to it. should have a spring in your step. should let people know that look what the Lord has done. There's some people that they, I'm looking at him and says, Jesus hasn't done much for you yet. They talk about him, but they haven't turned their lives around. They're not exuberant. Jesus wants to preserve you. You know what else he wants to do? Make you alive. Not dead. The church is not on life support. Yeah. The only support we have is Jesus himself. Yeah. But he doesn't put us on life support. He gives us support. He gives us the things we need to live and have our being by the name of God himself, by through the name of Jesus, the God man. Now we have move, we can breathe, and we have our being because of him. Yeah. We live because of him. We can have all these things. But it was on, and it defines who Christ is, who Jesus is. It says, Christ the Lord. Christ in the Greek means anointed one. You know what anointing does? It places you in an office. <coughs> Smears you, but it's a calling. And it's more than a calling. It places you in that office. Christ is Lord, I'm glad you asked what Lord means. It means ruler, supreme. One that is over everything. It's more than a king. It means that he has a final word. He's the alpha. Come on, say it. What's the last? And omega. omega. He's everything in between, in other words, what he's saying. And he's the author and finisher of my faith. See, he has the one. He is the Lord. And when the enemy comes to you or something comes to you and tries to distract you, you need to say, I serve a Lord. He's supreme. He is my Lord. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. And now he has everything. See, he's not just Lord supreme. He is Lord of heaven and of earth. And when you tell the devil he is Lord, the devil has to back up. Wait a minute. I know who you're talking about. You know what that tells me? He has authority. He's given me the right to speak his word, to speak his name, to speak with authority because the Lord is ruler and supreme. Lordship of Christ, spiritual and natural. The Lordship means government, it means ruling by governing. How many knows that Jesus is governing well? 
lordship of Christ, let's kind of bring it from what scripture says. First of all, he was a prophet. What does a prophet do? It reveals the will of God. Jesus came to earth to show who Christ, who God was and is and what his will is. He didn't do his own thing. And that's what separates Christian. You don't do your own thing. Your thoughts are not yours. Your actions are not yours. That's really what separates us as being Christians. We want to do and perform the will of God. He was a prophet. He was anointed a prophet. He was anointed in that calling. He fulfilled the prophet's calling because he said, this is the will of God, that every single one in this world be saved. For God so loved for God forgave, for God give us those areas that we can have the right to know the will of God. The other part, he is operating in the priest realm now. He is our high priest. You know what a priest does? It offers, first of all, a sacrifice. How many knows the priest takes in the sacrifice? You know what Jesus did? He offered himself and took his sacrifice into the Father. On behalf of humanity. Praise God for that. You know what happens? He makes an atonement for sin. The New Testament says reconciliation. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We can speak, look what the Lord wants to do. Reconcile with you. The sacrifice, the wages of sin is death. The sacrifice was paid for. We couldn't give ourselves enough, but we have a Savior. We have one that did. His name was Jesus. He is the Lord. He is the anointed one. He is the bright, the morning star. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the author and the finisher of who I am. He is the all in all. And that's what we must understand. That's what we celebrate today as we celebrate his birth. But more than that, we celebrate who he is today, right now, sitting on the throne. Lord, he's ruler, but of our hearts. That's what makes his lordship so great. Because when you make him Lord of your life and he sits on your heart, you know, he prods you. How I many sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you, but he'll convict you. Now, something I like because the Lord sometimes has to correct. And thank God he does correct. Sometimes we don't like correction. And sometimes I've seen people, when you deal with them, they just get be quiet. Because they think if I be silent, it'll be okay. But sometimes you've got to get things out. And Jesus comes to let you know, I'm Lord. I know everything. And sometimes he corrects his children. He doesn't correct a sinner. He corrects his children. And that's what the Lord does. When you make him Lord of your life and you do something that's just not quite what God wants you to do, what happens? He corrects you. That's what the angel was saying. Good news. He's going to help you in this life. If you're going down a wrong path that's not pleasing to the Lord, he's going to correct you. But sometimes correction isn't always still good. I know my children didn't like correction. We gave them sometimes. Sometimes they just look at me and say, no, no, no. <laughs> I used to get tickled in Hannah when she had, she knew it was coming. She'd get out there and she'd put her hands right back there where the seat is. Andy used to tell her, says, don't put your hands there, they'll hit them. 
And she would start jumping, thinking it's going to make us feel any better. Oh, okay, we'll just take a good swing. She'd stand there and jump and jump. Hands over there, and pretty soon you hit those hands, and she goes, oh! And she goes, and then you can kind of lay the correction just a little bit to let her know. Don't do those things anymore. Lordship of Christ, when he's Lord of your heart, and he sees when you're going down the wrong way, it's not a bad thing, church. It means God loves you. He wants you to go down the right way. Jesus was born for all of us. Aren't you glad for that? He also sends his Holy Spirit. He says, I must go, but he will come. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came for seasons and times upon certain people just for a season to operate and do. But thank God, he sent his Holy Spirit to whosoever will believe, will receive. The Holy Spirit was sent to bring influence. It also preserves the possession of salvation. He helps you in your life to preserve what he has. And you know what it lets me know? We're heirs of glory. Praise God, praise the Lord. That's the reason why on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, and when he came, the Bible says it was like tongues of fire. You know what I believe what took place? The glory of God clothed them. And I believe that it was just like a light shining bright. And to us, the one way we can describe it is fire, but it's the glory of God. And us as believers, us as Christians, us as have accepted this babe, accepted Christ, accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, accepted him. We have his glory in us. We must understand who we are in Christ. We're no longer part of this world system, but we are who he says we are. We are believers. We're Christians. We're children of God. And the glory of God flows from out, inside to outside. Amen. Sometimes my children don't recognize who they truly are. They weren't given to us just for a knot. We have poured into them. And I'm telling you right now, my prayers, God, show them the, who they truly are. Let them see the identity of who they truly are in you. The world says this, but God says this. That's who my identity is. That's who I am. We must understand that and operate on that. God has placed us on this earth to show who Christ is so that others can find him. Amen. The angel said, go find him. Go find him. When they sent him, he said, you'll find him. This is a sign that you'll see. He'll be in a manger wrapped in swallowing clothes. Swallowing clothes were used to milk the cows. He's the milk. Praise God. No wonder the multitude from heaven came. After they, now that the message has been delivered, the backing from heaven, the message from heaven, praising God, glory to God. Then they go on to say, on earth, peace. Not like the world gives. Not like the political ranks are trying to get, but it's peace within the hearts of mankind. Thank God we can have peace. But it says goodwill towards men. I like the way they ended this. Goodwill. What is goodwill? I'm glad you asked. It means favor. God give us favor. But that's not all the meaning. It means this. 
He is friendly now to man. Before, he turned his back because of sin. But now, he's going to be friendly to mankind. Because of Jesus coming, because of what Jesus brought to earth, because of what he's going to do, now we can have a friend in God. Amen. Aren't you glad he's your friend? Amen. Aren't you glad he gives you favor? Goodwill towards men. You can raise your head up. He's my friend. He doesn't look at the things that I used to do, the things I had done, but he looks now at Christ and what he done. Go to John 3.16 as we bring things to conclusion. John 3.16. title of the message was The Gift of God. We look for gifts from people. Oh, look what I got. After a while, it's off to the side. doesn't mean anything. It doesn't hold the value. But the gift from God holds true value, eternal value, something you can look at and say it's eternal. John 3.16 says this. If you know it, read it with me. Speak it out. Let's do it together as a church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Aren't you glad for that? The gift of God begins, first of all, with the love. The love of God. For God so loved. Let's put something in here. For God so loved me. For God so loved Rick Johnson. For God so loved my children that he gave. For God so loved, first of all, that word love here is an agape in the Greek. It means that God has no bounds. It's unconditional. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. God loves you. Thank God for that. Sometimes people put criteria on people. They bring up the old things. But I'm telling you, God looks at you and says, I love you no matter what. Yes, Sometimes as parents, we want the best for our kids. We want them to act the best. And when they don't, sometimes it says, that's not pleasing to me. God doesn't look at that way. He says, I love you no matter what. Amen. That's a greater love than a parent can give. Our kids may be acting a certain way, but God still loves them. Yeah. We should be the same. You know what this love also did? Those actions that was behind what God was saying. He said, I'm just not going to tell you I love you. I'm going to prove it by actions. I'm going to prove it by actions. And he gave his, see, love is not love until you can not only show it, but give it. The scripture says he gave. That's a gift. He gave first. A gift. The gift of God is his son. He sent his son to be born, to be ridiculed. Isaiah 53 says it pleased the father that he was ridiculed, that he was made fun of, that he was going through those things. It pleased the father because he knew that by this, Humanity can come to know who he is. But notice what it says, because the third and final thing, God gives you a reward if you follow the first, accept his love. Accept the gift. Here's the reward, eternal life. You shall not perish. Thank God for that. 
But there's a condition to the gift, just like any other gift. Martha and I can have gifts under the tree. We can lay them there. We can get them out, hand them to our kids. Hand it to my parents. Hand it to whoever. But if they never reach out and take it, they've never taken the gift. They've really never accepted the gift. It's still laying there. You know how many people have never accepted the gift of God? They've heard it, especially in America. Look how many songs did you hear? Even on country and Western and rock songs. I mean, they're playing about the birth of Christ. Today, we're seeing more about celebrations of this birth of Christ. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You're hearing it. But yet, they've never received the gift. The condition of the gift in order to receive the reward, in order to receive God's love. You must take it in. You must receive it. That's what receive means. Take it in. Receive it unto your bosom. Receive it unto you. Then becomes yours. Second thing, you got to believe in the gift. Oh, I don't believe you got me that. No, I don't believe that. You can unwrap it, do everything he says. No, you didn't get that for me. You didn't believe in the gift. Here's the thing. Believe means total acceptance. Total acceptance. <laughs> this word says, well, I believe in God. That's generic terms. I believe in Christ. That's your generic terms. Because that's only you didn't really accept you didn't take it in. You didn't grab a hold of it. You know what else it means? Total surrender. Total surrender. There's people that come to church that have never surrendered to Christ. They want their faith, they want the faith that God has for them on their terms. As long as it doesn't interfere with my pleasures, I'll take a hold of faith. As long as my pressures are not too great. I'll accept God's faith and believe what he has. And so they have conditions themselves and they've never fully surrendered to God and have what he has. See, Jesus came to give us not only life, but give it more abundantly and to give us these things that we never had before. What heaven has now can be offered to us. But until we totally surrender. Now, surrender means mind, body, and spirit. Mind, body, and spirit. There's some people analyze it. There's some people that will look at this and, and they're very intelligent in a lot of areas, but they're dumber than a box of rocks when it comes to the things of God. They've never really said, God, I'll surrender only on conditions of mine. I'll accept the faith only on conditions of mine. As long as it doesn't interfere with, interfere with my pleasure. That's the reason why so many people don't get involved in church, don't get involved with the things of God because they've never accepted the gift, the gift of God fully. Only on a partial areas. Some will say, well, I'll leave the gift here. I'll come back every once in a while and pull it out. Only one they feel led to. In some ways, there's so many people dating the church. They date the Lord. I'll date you on occasions. 
we'll have a dinner every once in a while and that's it. They come to church on a dating term. I want to date you. I want to date the gift first. They never really surrender. In other words, they don't say, I do. I will. Not mine, but yours. Until you learn to possess it, you can't have ownership of it. And you'll be in torment. You'll be like the rest of the shepherds on that day. They was in fear. And fear is torment. There's so many people are in torment today. Jesus come, did not come to give you torment. He come to give you life, but give you peace, give you joy, give you something that you can hang on to. Aren't you glad for the gift of God? I'm glad for the gift of God. But until you learn to surrender, you don't know the joy. You don't know this peace. This is why you're looking for happiness with friends, with money, with a career. Do I go on with things? And all these will pass away. Oh, well, if I had good health, I'd be happy. <laughs> Give it time, you'll catch cold. Give it time, you'll have something go wrong. Give it time, you'll age. <laughs> and you'll find some things. Oh, where'd this pain come from? I didn't know this happened anymore. But I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord can be yours all the time. The peace that passes all understand can be yours. But if you don't reach out and take a hold of the gift and take ownership of it, you don't receive the benefits of it. You don't have the benefits of what God has for you. And that's what's so sad about the world we're living in. And even some so-called Christians, they don't have full possession of what God has. And they live a life in misery because they've never really accepted the gift of God. Stand to your feet, if you would, please, over the building. If you've never accepted the gift of God, today is an offering for you. The gift is there. It's under the tree. The tree called cross, at the cross. When the cross was erected, it was stuck out there that God could put his light for the world to see. We decorate Christmas trees and we light them up and, and we put them up there. But you must understand, the first Christmas tree was from God himself. The true Christmas tree. And that's called the cross. And the light of the world was on that cross. And until you come to that tree, until you come to the cross and accept the gift, the light, accept what God has, you're going to be in torment. You're going to be in fear and you're not going to find. But notice what they said. Here's a direction. Today I'm giving you some direction. I'm not only giving you an invitation. They said, here's a sign. Come, go, find. And that's what he is saying to you. We've come from heaven to give you a message. I'm not here by not. When that angel told me, he says, you're the messenger. You're the messenger I'm sending. 
and doors are opening wide. And God says, I'm going to send you in these last days to send forth a message of hope, of faith, that if you'll turn, you won't burn. If you'll turn from your wicked ways, you won't burn in hell forever. But I give you heaven if you, because John 3, 16 says, you shall not perish if you will receive the gift. Hell is real. Jesus don't want you to go there. He came to this earth that you might have a right to receive eternal life. And that's what he wants to give. I don't know who don't know him fully. I'm not sure who has not accepted the gift of God fully, only partially. You've looked at it. You may have touched it and said, yeah, I, but you've not really fully surrendered to what God has for you, that gift. And he wants to give it to you today. Every head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Some of you have not fully surrendered to God not accepted the gift. And this time, the message has gone to you. The gift of God is real. Salvation is real. The Lordship of Jesus is real. Unto you today is born a deliverer, a safe haven, one that can make a new life for you. Let him be born into your life right now. But it's up to you to reach down and receive. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we had to bring forth your message of hope in this season, your birth. And God, we thank you, Father, as we are now taking time to reflect, but to stop and think about the gift that you've given and how we need to accept what you've given to us right now, God, fully surrendering to you, taking in everything that you have, making this life as ownership, God, that you've given to us right now, Christ. God, I ask that you, God, some have surrendered, but there's others that have not fully committed. God, deal with them today. And God, will thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we move on any further, if you would say, I want the gift of God. I want what God has for me. I want you to get out of your seat and come to these altars and kneel down. Peter said this though, just accepting and confessing doesn't fully give you everything that God has. Confessing means, yeah, I agree with you, God. Yeah, I'm a rotten scoundrel. God, I've done some bad things. But Peter says, you must repent. You must make a change of mind, change of action, a change of course. You're going down the wrong way. And God wants you now to come and say, I need to turn my life around. Come. Church, can we just find a place and pray and seek God for just a little bit before we dismiss today on this Christmas day? Let's seek his face right now. Come on, kneel down and seek his face. I seek him all the time. He loves you.